welcome to the Aging Millennials Podcast. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome to the Aging Millennials Podcast. Episode 3. 3, Trace. So it's uh, been a slow news cycle since our last uh, podcast. Yeah, not much has happened. You know, wake it's up. Been pretty quiet. Wake up, read the paper, look at the comics. Yeah, just go on about your normal life as if chaos didn't rain <laughs> on the streets. <laughs> I, I sometimes think I'm thinking like, what if there was a couple guys back in the 1700s that like built a time machine? And they're like, dude, which year should we pick? Put in 2020 and immediately go back to the 1700s. You know, I would agree with you, except that I'm not sure if it was the 1700s, but it was somewhere thereabouts <laughs> when they were guillotining people in the streets. Of <laughs> yeah. And there, there was violent plagues in the streets. France. That, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was pretty ugly. So actually, this is quite an advance. Yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah. unpleasant to be but sure. But we have cars and cell phones and not as bloody and medicine. Yeah, medicine's nice. <laughs> <laughs> You know the guillotine, though. I mean, wow. I mean, it's hard what to top the guillotine. <laughs> what an extreme way to go out. You know, wow. Drag people out. Talk, talk about making a statement. You know, that's um. You talk about fervor of crowds. Just the whole people rising up and just and just witnessing actual violent death and cheering it on. So guillotines, even tarring and feathering, that was a real thing. Pretty brutal. Man, oh man, yeah. So, I guess I guess that's a good. <laughs> Who came up with that? <laughs> Let's. Let, I guess to to replicate a chicken. I just the having hot tar poured upon you is oh. in and of itself very unpleasant. And then a I bag mean, of feathers. It, I mean that. I mean I don't even like you're. That's bad third degree burns all over your whole body. Right when that happens, the feathering is almost an afterthought. Like oh, this is you're not even you're not even realizing you're getting feathered. Some would say it's uh, a little overboard, you know, a little overboard. But, uh, you know, human history is full of that kind of stuff. Uh, seems like, so I think it's a good way to start uh, is to say there's things to be grateful for. Sure. You know, obviously it's been and you a, always think that you have it worse than anyone. Sure, sure. It's sort of maybe like a, a human thing. We, yeah, there's been we, a lot of bad times. Yeah, but there's no doubt it's uh, it's been a rough year, you know. It's, uh, for us, it certainly has. Yeah, yeah. But it's been mostly for, I mean, not for everyone, but for us, it's been just inconveniences. Yeah. Not, we haven't not, yeah. had any, no one's, you know, broken out in horrible blisters. We still died. have, we still have our general health and, and, uh, right. Our, stability. We're, we're still okay. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, even just as like World War Two. I mean, entire, like I was saying, I'm saying France again. I mean, France had the guillotine and then when World War Two, all those little French towns that were just annihilated. You know, bombed away. Like, can, can you imagine, like some guy in an idyllic French? Uh, yeah, like, he's just comes bike, sip, he's bicycling home with a, with a big baguette in his in the basket of his bike, in and, a, and like, a thing of a wheel right. of cheese. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, an army marches through. <laughs> it's like the, like that first scene from In- Inglorious Bastards, kind of like that. You know, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of uh, fodder for film and television. Yeah. After this. And you know what it is? It's never always about the big event, but always some little story within the big event, obviously. You know, there'll be ones about the big events going on, but then there's always like the love story, like in, right. the, in the middle of coronavirus. Well, or... we always look for the beauty. Yeah. yeah I feel like we, sure. need to, we need to say what we're talking about because what if our voices are going out to, on the airwaves to like aliens or something? No, no <laughs> idea. Or for, for posterity, if somebody finds our podcasts like in 30 dude, years. Dude, if, if Earth is a channel in the alien world, they're tuning in right now. They're like, dude, it's getting good. Yeah, this, this is like, this is this is like the, the Miami real world where that guy like was opening the other girl's mail or something. <laughs> and we're looking at each other like, I hope this isn't the season finale. Like, well, this is only like season three, right? This is like a 10 season deal. Will America completely collapse? <laughs> Tune in next season to find out. Oh, man. So Tell you what, you're going to have some angry people when the, the new Bachelor doesn't come on. Because <laughs> there's not going to be a Bachelor dude, for a while. You think you'll have an angry yeah, woman population? If they don't have football, I think we're going to have an issue. You know? Uh, I th- So, 
Everybody's so, awfully mad at Drew Brees. Yeah, I saw that. You know, every, we are so quick, especially obviously this turbulent political atmosphere that we're living in right now. It has been since before this, but the cancel culture. Yeah. The, the quick, the quick jump to condemn someone down to nothing. Like he said that, so he's worthless. And, you know, <laughs> right. he deserves. He deserves to lose his job. <laughs> no, it you seems know, like it's this, always this happening. call to outrage is so quick. But you got to admit, I mean, it was pretty bad timing on his part. But at least he, he spoke his mind. But whatever, you know. You have to respect uh, anyone speaking their mind about anything at this point. I, Look, I just know it, personally, I'm <laughs> I'm very hesitant to speak my mind about things because I don't know if. It's going to be condemned, whatever I'm going to say, even if it comes from a good place. And if it's not a bad thing that I'm going to say, you know, just never know some things that people get mad about. I can't even believe. And maybe just that little bit of a bit of a filter is enough. You know what I mean? To to set you apart from someone who lets it fly no matter what, not not caring what anyone else thinks. You got to care what other people think to some degree. But when we're. Like when we're looking at the past now, I mean, can if we can all agree, people have strong feelings about the country and about the flag and the patriotism, especially military families and people, which is totally understandable. But if we're going to freak out every time someone kneels during the anthem, if we're going to freak out about these quiet things, then, you know, I'm saying peaceful demonstrations you know, what we're going to have to let that to, we're going to have to let this stuff fly comes down as a to country get, getting up in, in other people's business. I mean, what does it matter to you whether somebody salutes the flag or sits on their knee or, you know, rolls around on the ground while the while the national anthem is playing? What difference does that make? You you respect the flag how you feel is appropriate to respect the flag, and you leave it at that. And I think people get really hypocrit- you know, hypocritical about it because I've seen plenty of patriotic people sit on the couch and chug a beer in the middle of the anthem. They don't stand up every single time and cover their heart. So it, it becomes a hypocritical outrage situation where then it, then it's a contest of, uh, you know, the virtue si- signaling, signaling as they call it. Virtue signaling. I, I saw that term the other day. It's, it's real. And, and I, I got to say, I've done it before, sometimes even without knowing it. Like trying to show people I'm a good person, and and there's one thing about uh, there's one thing about standing up, let's say for what like you be- believe in, um, and then there's the uh, um, trying to just express like that I have these thought, you know, I have these uh, morals and you don't, and I'm better than you. Well, it's a shaming thing. Shaming, yeah, yeah. I mean, the so we were talking about it. I mean, civility. It's a call to civility now for everyone and everything and everybody in the country. That's, that's to me, the basis of how well a country is doing. I mean, the, just the, how, how well people treat one another with respect. On a base level, everyone, the homeless guy in the street, the, the business owner, the rich guy, the poor guy, the middle guy, you know, it's all that. We're at a point now where everyone's on guard, man. Everybody's on guard, you know? So... There's more things that unite us than that separate us. You know what I mean? Oh, there's an awful lot of things that separate us. <laughs> sure. But I'm what talking are, about... What are we united for anymore anyway? I guess I'm getting real base with it on a base human level. We all need our... We don't, we know, we don't unite behind um, the troops. We don't unite behind... Uh, you know, in World War II, they united behind fighting a common enemy. Now we're not uniting behind whether we should be in Afghanistan or Iraq or any of those places. We're not, what, what are we uniting behind? Yeah, that's a good point. What I common guess, ground do we have? Yeah, I guess we are. Can I mean, can we name say. one thing? I guess we all care about our families and want, uh, you know, our kids to have a good life. And, you know, there's a, there's a certain element of wanting to pass a better world on to the kids obviously that's mm, i think we can all agree on that sure you know what i mean but, unless you get your nihilists who just say uh what's the point of bringing a kid into this and it's a horrible place and sure uh, plenty of those it people should too. just burn yeah those people just but i think you're never gonna get a i don't know if in this world if there ever was but a 100 percent uniform uh agreement on anything anymore Mm. it's just never going to be like that 
unless we have another World War II situation. Right, unless there's a common, yeah. clear enemy. Yeah, a country's trying to take over the world, and we all go, we need to stop that country. You well, know? I think one thing most people would agree on is uh, how cool it is that we're getting back into like space travel. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, you know, you're right. Been, that is a It's been a while thing. since th- that was a thing. Now we're like, like I feel like everyone watching that SpaceX rocket fire was like a good unifying moment. It was like, that was one of the bright shining stars of the civil rights era as well, the Kennedy stuff. Yeah. And the, when they landed on the moon, it was like... Progress. Oh my God, all this horrible stuff is going on. But then look at us. We just landed on the moon. I mean, we landed on the moon. That's crazy. Right. The first people to ever land on the moon... And we're we're so desperate now for like something. There's something some scientist and some group somewhere is working on right now that will be super cool for humanity. Mm-hmm. It's gonna that's gonna be uplift us, whether it be like medical. This should be with the internet, the advent of the internet and all the new technology that we have. This should be such a period of enlightenment advancement. and peace. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this. You know, it, it's. It's frustrating because it seems like for for human beings it take it always has to take some outrageous disaster for mm-hmm. us to unite. You know, even on our little world here in Punta Gorda, you know, it's not like we were all crazy before the hurricane, but the hurricane happened and all of a sudden we were all on the same level. There was a unity factor. But there. also, the hurricane was also the catalyst for growth. Yeah, and development. Like it literally, we got better after mm-hmm. the hurricane. A lot better through the pain. You know, so I guess that's if you're. L- I mean, it's tough to look at the silver lining now, but it, it, that's what you look at. I will say at. this. I mean, it is pretty moving when you see the the examples of commonality during like during these these racial problems, where you have a when you do see a police chief marching with the people, and there are good community relations, and they're all standing together and saying, "Yeah, let's." have a good society and Mm -hmm. treat one another with respect. Those have been some bright spots. Sure. The name of the game is, is empathy, you know, is trying to find the reason people feel the way they do and connect with it on some level. You're not, it's not always going to be successful. Some people are not going to, going to get there, but on, on some bigger social issues, there's a, there's a moment where it's like, okay, wow, those people are really angry, you know, why are they so angry? What's been going on? You know, and some of the things like we we talked about are not justifiable. Like the people uh, taking it out on on innocent people, on businesses, on just people in the street. You know, the 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 animalistic violence. Well, you know, what does it really come down to, honestly? But the squeaky wheel gets the grease, <laughs> right? It just so happens that this squeaky wheel uh, happens to be. Uh, bludgeoning women who are defending their businesses with a two by four. Mm, mm. It's an awful squeaky wheel. Right. But th- those are the, there's very few people. That's the thing. If you, if you were to, but t- they're not, those, I know what you're saying. Those th- two things are not connected, but also I'm saying that mo- most of Americans would agree that those people suck. Right. Yeah. They're not, they're not the ones, they're, they're the, not the squeaky wheel and they're, they're, they're squeaking about something entirely. Exactly. Else. So the question is then, which we're, I mean, we can't answer in this podcast is how to deal with them. You know, obviously it's like, get them, lock them up and throw them in a cage. I mean, they're literally burning places down Mm. and looting stores and places like that. But then again, you're always going to get people who justify it and say, well, you know, they're really mad and there's a reason there's really mad and no one's listening to them. But that ain't, that is not the way to get listened to. Um, and it only it only hurts the actual cause in the end. Um, so yeah, I think you know. Not, so I heard a theory out there, which I know not a lot of people disagree with. But obviously, there were a lot of protests and and uh, some peaceful, some not in the '60s, civil rights, all those things, and uh, obviously Martin Luther King, uh, all that all that stuff happened, and they they there was progress made. At the time, you know, from what it was. But from that time to now has not, what some people feel, been a lot of change since then, you know. Yeah, they just, they named some streets after them and we went back to what we were doing. And a lot of the system. So there was a theory out there that says, well, if you destroy property and loot buildings, then you finally get the business owners and everyone, uh, everyone else's attention, you know, that you're destroying. And now they're going to be, oh, I'm looking at your cause now. Mm. Not saying it's right. 
But they're not looking at it in a favorable light is the problem. They're looking at it in how do I stop this from happening? They're right. not looking at it in how do I address the root cause of the anger? They're looking at how do I address the physical from destroying People my life from coming to the to the business and the place yeah i see that too yeah yeah i don't i don't agree with that that is a method of protest of destroying that's not that's well not. destruction is is ever easier and more fun than building things well and there's and that's the thing about the country right now is there's people we we cannot negotiate with uh, anarchists yeah, you can't. You can't even acknowledge because they don't want to work within any structure we have right now. They literally they want revolution. They want to burn it down mm -hmm. literally and start over. When we're saying we don't want to start over, we want to fix it within what we have. So there's not enough of them, in my belief, to really. I mean, well, it's it's hard work to to build and to create. Yeah. And they, that's, that's what I'm saying is that there's, there, they cause a lot of ruckus, obviously in these moments of, of chaos, there's not enough anarchists to really make a difference in the long run. There's people here, they, they want to, tr there's going to be another attempt to fix it within the structure that's here. But the whole thing about the riots is that, okay, are people going to listen more? So anyways, I know the, it's a depressing topic, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's happening, you know? Well, um, Let's focus yeah. on on the building and creating here for a minute. Yeah, okay. You have taken up wood carving. Indeed I have. Um that's fascinating. Tell me some <laughs> tell me about it. So, you know, obviously I've been working in the wood industry now for three years. So I've I've been in and out of wood shops of all different sizes and uh, of all different uh, you know different kinds of products they're making. Um, so I've been around the wood industry. Also, I've had the chance to go to really awesome places like Washington and Oregon, um, really awesome nature, nature places. I've gotten connected with forests and trees and, and wood in general. You know, wood has been a part of my life these last three years. So I started to look into it. I've always thought, like, how cool would it be to carve and uh, to, to whittle, I should say, to make little i always thought in my mind it's like it's just so hard well, what's the difference between whittling and carving whittling is small stuff so small blocks but carving is can be small things carving as well. is generally the general term for carving is you're usually carving like intricate designs into furniture oh i see what you're saying so it's almost like um totems right stuff like that whittling is hand stuff stuff you can put like okay. a block you can put in here and so anyways i always thought it was like oh it's so hard there's no way i can learn and I started to look into it. I'm like, what What are the tools it takes? Um, and I bought a whittling book. And I just, I had some Amazon points is what I did. I had it like, you know. So, so you get a kit? You get a, you, you, if you get the real uh, tools, yeah, you get like a, there's two sets. There's like a, one set that's just like the knife. But then there's one. And they give you like a block of cylinder of wood. It doesn't a, come with the tools. Booklet and no, that doesn't. That's, so there's just one for the tools. To, so where, you get the wood like online. You can get and the wood it comes online with how to carve it, or you just look that up on the internet, or you come up with your own design. It's basically the starter set is a set of tools. There's a whittling book, like a how with different projects in it. Different projects in it. Um, the uh, blocks you can buy, and usually to start off, it's basswood. It's easy to carve. Yeah, it's very light, soft. It's easy, to almost carve. like soap. Yeah, it's actually quite nice. To it feels good to, to, right. cut, to cut into you have into to it. wet it no before? you want it to as dry as possible any because okay. anything wet is harder to cut and it's not going to be you know, i didn't know if maybe you oiled it up something like that no 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 after you finish it you you put the oil on it okay. and then if you want to be safe you get the uh the gloves the cut safe gloves to make now sure do you, you know. when you're done you stain it usually or just just treat it with so oil? the process is you carve or whittle the design out on the wood block and that's the biggest amount of time you know you're you're getting the rough outline of it it's the shape you try to get as close to it then you sand so you sand the smooth parts out of it and a regular piece of sanding paper or just do you have like a little like a toothbrush shaped sanding no tool? no you just get the regular you get two different types you get 220 or like a block no, 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 no. All you need, well, for I guess it depends on what you're sanding, but for small stuff, I mean, you get 220, and then I think it's three. A coarse and a fine, more or less. But they're both really fine, but within the, the right, right. 
So you start off with the coarser one, and then you you it comes in, in sheets. So you just if you need a small one, you take a t- you cut a tiny piece out and you and you whittle on the, the right. thing, you know. So you you work it out. It's really really for me, it was soothing, almost exhilarating, like to the point where the the beginning is the hardest part of getting the big pieces out. But once you get to the finer pieces of mm-hmm. it, now you're you're chipping off these tiny pieces, and you're every and, little bit matters. And then your mind gets so focused. And then as you get further and further into it, a bad mistake sets you so far. You have to restart the whole entire project. So it's it matters. It's something that you cannot rush. Mm-hmm. Because the, when you rush, you will make a mistake. And that's not the point of it. It's not the point of it. You're not supposed to rush. It's so like yoga. For me, the finishing part was actually my favorite. I mean, the, the, the fine cuts got towards the end very tedious. You got nervous. You were going to break it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fine cuts, but that's also part of the fun. But the uh, uh, the sanding, oh, it's for me, it was like, oh, watching it get smooth. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's like taking something and like, yeah. because when you buy something and it's very finely made, and yeah. you're like, man, I, you know, this must have been done by a machine. I don't know. Yeah, how right, right. But you realize that the sanding takes away the imperfections. And yeah. it makes it look perfect. And it's yeah. like, I created this thing. It was like, this is like, could have come out of a lathe. And and basswood is so easy to sand, too. I mean, it's just, it just, it just, it just turned, flakes away. It's so easy. And then, and then the finishing is the last part. And that's actually kind of tedious, depending on what type of finish. Because for a small piece, you, you, you want it to, you want to put a rag and put the oil on it. And then you need to like, uh, make sure it soaks in, let it dry, do it again. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, a, it's, it takes time and patience. But anyways, it's a cool hobby. I've already started on the second thing. Um, so, Well, then it's it's a cool thing, too, because it's almost like I, I sort of think of, you know, these guys who play these video games, computer games, where you start off and you have a character and they're like a level one and you can only <laughs> like kill the like, you know, little orc guys or whatever. And then some kids, some guys play this for hours and hours and hours and hours to the point that they just create these like monster characters and they can sell their stuff on online to beginning players and they're just monsters dominant what's the name of that world world of warcraft or diablo or any a number of other ones but it's sort of that way with with any hobby with whittling that you start off with this little block of basswood and you're just this little dude that knows nothing about it and you're just trying it and you make yourself a little doodad and you're just like oh look at this this is amazing and then it gets bigger and more complicated and you get to the point where you're carving uh literally statues sure sure and it's it's a complete like definitely a self-esteem thing for sure because you're like for me it was the most it was the best i felt until like i played my first song on the guitar you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or I can go back to like when I was in China. Well, and- it's an accomplishment that you have done not for monetary gain. Right. I, I, I connect it back to like when I was in China, right? I was living in China and struggling to obviously learn Mandarin Chinese. And I remember it was like month three, nobody can understand me. I'm sitting there like I'm in this world where I can't speak. No one can understand me. All of a sudden I get to like month four and I go for the first time to the guys at the stand and I'm like, I order one bottle of cold water. (laughs) And the guy goes, here you go. And it was that moment. It's like, yes, (laughs) I did something. And then from there, it just, that's the thing though, that most people, most people out there don't do is they realize is you just have to get over the hump. Of the difficult part, for sure, and you and it's about persistence. Persistence, and a lot of people, you know, this as a musician, um, you know, a lot of people give up on instruments because it gets hard and they quit, you know, and they ne- and maybe they won't become a great musician and then a perfect guy. But if you just get over that little hump, and that's like with a language, with anything, it takes off from there. But you got to practice. You got to well, practice. Well, and a lot of times, what what you find that you become great at is something that you're not trying super hard to become great at and to get accomplishments in Mm. it's just something that you're doing to pass the time or to soothe yourself and you just naturally without almost even realizing it get good at become amazing at something sure but that but to me that means your intention is in the right place because right how many people do something with the intention to become famous they never follow through 
Well, some of those people probably make it, yeah. But for other reasons, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, who's that swimming that swimming guy? Phelps. Yeah, Phelps. Yeah. I mean, I would bet that that cat just likes swimming. You know what I mean? He <laughs> but just, also, it's he's soothing his... to him, and he just whenever he's bored, he he started off, he just started swimming and swimming and swimming. Maybe he kept him fit, and then before you know it, he's swimming faster than anybody in the world. But you see, to me, there are certain people who were born to do certain things. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like Michael Phelps, Phelps has humongous oh, hands. Yeah, he looks he's like, like a, a dolphin. He's a, Yeah, he was meant to swim, you know. And I'm sure he loved it too. So those that's the thing. If you were have the predisposition to do it. But that's sort of a, if you, you need to kind of fall into a thing that you already are. Like if you have really long fingers, you're, you're better off uh, if you just fall into piano playing than if you try and uh be a chess player or something you don't need a long not long fingers to play you chess. gotta love it man you've got to love what you're doing in order to, i guess there's people like probably who don't love what they're doing and are really good at it but they're i don't know that's a weird i di- bet you it's not a whole lot though yeah not a whole lot you know there's always those there was always kids in china that their parents forced them <laughs> to like play the violin and they were like really good but they were like oh this sucks i don't want to do it this is awful oh man so there i bet but and then somebody can think about it. some people it can, uh, the world can kill it for you depending on your Music is always the one we go back to because it's like you could be like, man, I love music, but then you get really famous, and then now you're you're churned up by the music industry, and now you're like, oh, I don't want to play. Music. Yeah, I don't have a lot of sympathy there, though. <laughs> That's like a kid who loves football, and all of a sudden, like you you're in the NFL or something. Like once you once you're making maybe eight million dollars, you reach the peak. Just yeah. like it's hard to, for me to feel sorry. For yeah, all right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, we all dream about being athletes and rock stars in the end. For no. sure. In the end. But for me right now, it's about, because everything is like getting back to normal from the coronavirus, but it's not back to normal really. Like yeah. when you go to the mall, it's kind of not, not the same and there's not really like vacations have pretty much been canceled and stuff. So for me, it's kind of like finding like with your whittling, mm. like finding something that you can do to pass the time that maybe is a little bit productive. And maybe it's not too expensive to get into, but is what you can get excited about. And for me, um, I'm starting to dip my toes into pedal making, guitar pedal making, circuitry. Making it? Really? Yeah. Whoa, that's cool. Very cool. It is uh, super cool. Because for me, it's always been sort of frustrating that you open up a piece of electronic equipment and there's this green disc in there with all these little towers and tubes and stuff coming off it. And you're just like, what is I that? depend on this <laughs> for so much of my life and joy and survival. And like, I have not the most basic clue about what that is. I have no idea what, what that stuff is. And a, a guitar pedal, a guitar effects pedal is like one of the most basic types of chip technology it's like like a push button you push a button and the thing changes well i mean on the outside on the inside you rip it open and there's a little circuit board in there and it's got transistors and resistors and capacitors and all these little pieces on there that you you and you they need to be assembled in a specific way and soldered together and you if you mess up one tiny part in that chain nothing won't work Uh uh-huh mm-hmm and you can get into it for pretty cheap. And uh, and guitar pedals are very expensive. If you're going to make them yourself, you can make them for, you know, a fifth of the price of buying one, and you can even sell it. That's a terrific hobby. I mean, my grandfather was way into electronics of, oh. the, of his time. And I remember he used to go over to his house in his garage. He had one of those garages that had like a million right, things Right, just the ultimate it. tool bench. Yeah, well, the ultimate tool bench and also a bunch of like broken, a broken microwave, a broken radio. And taking apart TV. And he had to take it all apart and look at it. So he was, he was cool. I think, but yeah, I guess you have to be interested in it too. But when you, so you can create a pedal like that makes a certain sound. Or is yeah, it all like, just wah, uh, okay, like wah, wah? No, anything. Any guitar pedal. But that's based yeah. on the circuit board you put in there. So there are, uh, when, like, to just make a circuit board from nothing is very, very, very difficult, almost impossible. So what, what, Yeah, you need, like, high-tech machinery to make it. Well, it's it. just really, 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 like, putting all the stuff onto a circuit board 
is very, very complicated. Like taking a, an already made circuit board and putting it that in has places for all the stuff oh. is different than just having a, a, a square and creating all the uh, places where they connect. So there are websites that have uh, pre-printed circuit boards. So it's that green disc with nothing on it, just with a bunch of holes in it. Yeah. And you have to go and get like, you know, 30, 40 different types of little pieces Components. of electronics and, yeah. and uh, solder them all on there together. And they have like circuits that are fuzz pedal circuits. They have circuits that are delay pedal circuits. There's They're based on like somebody took a big muff fuzz pedal, took it apart, ripped all the stuff off the circuit board, and then had the circuit board made and then you can buy that circuit board and you put all your own stuff on it and you can change it up oh you can, yeah you know you can change some of the values of different things to get a little bit of a different sound and then that's how circuit boards are generally made yeah people just tweak already existing designs that's cool man i think it's a cool you know it's definitely it's definitely like an intricate uh it's pretty i mean it's maybe hobby. like eight bucks for a circuit a pre-printed circuit yeah. board and then the, the little electronic components of which you need maybe 30 or 40 are usually anywhere from a few cents to maybe, <laughs> you know, 30 or 40 cents a piece. But you got to buy like a whole like box of them or whatever. Probably. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about, you know, 12 bucks. Five bucks, yeah, whatever. Yep. So hobbies are definitely uh, the foundation, I think, of uh, being satisfied with your... Because obviously now in, we all have that question, which is unanswerable in this podcast of like, okay... Now we have this whole virus thing. How long can it go on? Um, so the more hobbies you build in the meantime, obviously, the more you're going to be happier with this whole being at home. For me, I've always struggled with feeling like when I'm doing a hobby that it's inconsequential and I feel guilty. Like I should be spending this time improving my business or teaching my kid or doing something that like matters. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard for me to dedicate a lot of time. But to it's a balance, that's... dude. It's a it's a form of self care. You know. Yeah, you get... it is. It is, and you and you just have to, and it is. It's it's therapeutic, and you have to. Uh, the qu it. the question you have to tell yourself: If I give myself this little time, I'll be a better teacher to exactly. my, to my daughter. I'll but be that's, a better. But sometimes businessman. it's hard to remember. It that. is a hard thing, and especially I know, especially when things need getting done like the lawn needs mowing. Sure. If you sure. always did everything that needs to be done, you yeah. would never have time. To do anything for fun yeah i wouldn't anyway like i said it's a balance on every that's that's why you'll hear some of the uh you'll hear some older people be like it's all about having a routine well so it helps what you wake up and do this at at this time and this at that time and then you have time for that and you have time for that but then i know a lot of millennials don't like that rigid thought structure of you know I've what though that really i i agree with that i think that's the true path to yeah. happiness because you only discipline you, right you because you only you and then you get your fun from when you say no i'm not doing that right now and or if it's like that that was what was hard about the coronavirus quarantine what it was it was just like you didn't get your weekend because every day was a weekend Right. But, and, and then the thing is, if you take care of all that other stuff, then when you have your free time, you're going to enjoy it more. You know what I'm saying? Right. So anyways, we, I remember, cause we all know that, or I did it in my life, those periods of time where it was like either, either you partied every night or you did mm -hmm. like in college or there was periods of time. And then by the fifth or sixth night, you'd be like, this isn't fun anymore, man. There's nothing, there's nothing to celebrate anymore. Well, that never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> On a that never so happened to it's me. A, it's a Tuesday night. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Tuesday is the best night. <laughs> At all my classes, like starting at 11 o'clock or later. Yeah, I have like an essay due tomorrow. Why, why are we five beers deep? I was, in a, I was an all-nighter uh, guy. I, I was would go, I would procrastinator. Just, I would just do my thing and have fun. And then you'd have a, an exam on a Friday, and yeah. I would go. I'd get myself a gigantic cup of coffee on <laughs> at Thursday on Thursday night at like eight p.m. and I would just sit in the library and, until the exam well, all hey, through the night. We both got our degrees, you know, so I guess it worked. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> we're, their own. we're college educated. It's not how I would do it now. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Would you major in something different now? You know, I think 
now I would probably try and focus on more of, of an actual useful skill. Like I majored in uh, small business management and marketing. I mean, it's literally what, are, what you're doing right now. It is what I'm doing, but I didn't really need it to do what I'm doing right now. Like I don't use daily. What, You'd rather have an alternative skill. So like that it would can... be cool. I would do, be doing this anyway if I had learned electrical engineering. Right. But I would also know electrical engineering. But the chances are if you put the time and effort into an electrical engineering degree, you're going to become an electrical engineer. Right. You know what I mean? It's really hard to do it that. Is. Yeah. But anyways, I get what you're saying, you know. I wonder when I, because my degree was in English and creative writing, you know, <laughs> and I was going to be a teacher, which I did for a while. But now I wonder, it's like that, I guess it gives you somewhat of a leg up, I guess, if you're applying against a high school graduate, but I don't know, whatever. I don't know. I have, a, a, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot to say about college, college and the sort of how, how we view it and the way that it's set up and. Well, you remember that you remember, I don't know if you felt the same, but it wasn't just like, definitely mom wanted me to go to college. Um, but the pressure, social pressure to go to college, there wasn't like, there wasn't someone going, you know what? It's okay if you don't go to oh, college. Oh yeah, no, you were going period. College is in the, is in the, is in For the, me, in the, 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 a major problem that I had was that he, like I went to college in Tallahassee at Florida state, which is like maybe four and a half, five hours from here where we live. Mm-hmm. And I was 18, you know, I was a kid, still very much a kid, living home with my parents, mom doing my laundry, the whole nine <laughs> yards. Now all of a sudden I'm in this place five hours away. I'm not coming back on the weekends. I'm not, I'm just yeah. trying to like, I needed to learn how to live on my own before w trying to worry about attending a university and trying hard to get a degree. Like yeah. I was struggling with like, just trying to take care of myself. Like I would have benefited from maybe like a, a two year military service yeah, or something true. like that. Just somewhere to learn how to make my bed and do my laundry. And a lot of countries do, do that. My calisthenics and take care of myself. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Yeah. You know, the, a lot of countries do that. Just like, to get, get everybody in good physical shape. Uh, get everybody with a little sense of discipline. You, you know what I mean? And then you go to college, then you're going to kill it. Then you're not, Staying up with your buddies, drinking the cheapest beer you can find, and just wearing wrinkled clothes to your afternoon but, classes. Yeah, I guess you know that 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 needs to be in place for a while before people willingly do it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how you could really have mandatory. You don't start it, enlistment. You, know? you don't start it as mandatory, but you you somehow work like start it as voluntary, and then I work feel like it we in just, as mandatory. In America, we don't have the esprit de corps to make that happen. Like they do that in Israel. Yeah. But in Israel, they're surrounded by people that hate them. And the <laughs> oh, wall. so we don't feel a need to, yeah. right? We just don't. We're just kind of more. Well, even if we integrated it into high school and said like, "There's a no," nah, that wouldn't work either. I don't know. Well, you know the way it is though. Now that's just, that was just my personal case. Yeah. Now there are so many colleges that are regional and closer to home that people. It's an easier transition. Mm -mm. Going off and away to college when you've never left home for any reason mm. is kind of a shock kind of hard yeah plenty of people still doing it though i mean that's yeah. kind of that's one of the college and I, at the time i was so happy about it oh I was yeah i was Ecstatic. over the moon i was yeah. going to live with my buddies and, it was the dream yeah you know? it was the dream i would never have not done it well I, for me like at the time like <laughs> if i would have been like you know what no i think i'll go join the military for two years exactly you wouldn't have done it exactly <laughs> that's gonna happen well looking at it the first year of course is exhilarating you know no matter what decisions you're making even if you're screwing up the first Two or three years were exhilarating for me. And then by the end, I was kind of... By the middle of the second year, I was like, all right. This, yeah, it's starting to get this pretty intense. Fun. I'm getting debt and I'm just kind right, of... Right, right. I'm really not learning anything all that useful. And I, I have no sense of direction. I'm just... I understand just people dropping out. Yeah, well, you know what I'm realizing in the field I'm in now is that there's a big dearth of people who are uh, good at mechanical exactly stuff because everybody's got to go to college for so, brain stuff. So, so guess what technicians right now can demand whatever they want and if you're a technician you only have to be a, a work on air conditioners for maybe 10 or 15 years before you're qualified to open your own air conditioning business. sure sure i mean the trades are probably the best pathway to business ownership of anything what, what the hard part is 
in like industry is that the, the all the equipment is constantly evolving. So, right. So, so and now, you're talking about it, computer now, if, technology. If you, if you go 25 years ago, you needed to know how to how to wind a gear and how to you know go all these places. Right. Now, now you, you need to know how to know how to use Adobe. Now and you need books. Now, and, now you, well, well, that's sort of like the the bookkeeping, but. You need to know like how the how the CPU and the uh, talks right. talks to you the other. You gotta be piece. an IT guy to do anything. Computer and mechanical. So, mm-hmm. but those guys, I mean, they have rough lives though because they're on the road because there's they're on such demand. I mean, they make a bunch of money. Yeah, those guys make a killing. But they on the road like our technician for our company is on the road for three and a half weeks out of the yeah. That's not out really, of the month. That's not doable. So everything's a trade off, man. You know. Everything's a trade-off, it seems. To have Tom Brady be our quarterback for the Buccaneers. Not only Tom Brady. So, pack your car and <laughs> have a yard. Get your car in the yard. Get your car in the but yard. not only Tom Brady, but Gronkowski. Gronkowski as well. You know, I got to say, the hype has never been more real for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got to say, I, I went to Florida State, as we were just talking <laughs> about. So, I should... Love Jameis Winston. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jameis Winston uh, took FSU to the national championship twice. Yeah. Uh, I should have like been shouting Winston from the mountaintops. But I just never got on the Jameis Winston train. There, there's legitimate reasons not to like Jameis Winston. A couple of them. Both, both personal and on the field. Like, dude, he threw 30 so interceptions. So many interceptions. <laughs> he literally scored more points for the other team than he did for his own team. Yeah, and it was infuriating. Not not only that, but he looked he looked like he gave that dumb look every time he made a mistake. Like he gave that dopey like <laughs> like he did it in such a way that was uh, annoying. So He was just the kind of guy where you watched him and you you saw him do something horrendous and you just said, "You know what? That's it." I'm I'm done with this guy. I'll never I'll but, never like. But, him. And but, they just kept doing it again and again and but again. Then, could never you never even got a minute to forgive him. But then he throw an 80 yard bomb for a touchdown. I never. I always. If, you know what? You, <laughs> you know what? You know what's in a no. See the touchdowns. You know what's in a bad. You're in a bad spot when you're so mad at a guy that you are mad when he does something good because you don't want the people on the radio after the show to be like, yeah, but he did that. Like, no, 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 no. That 80-yard crazy throw at the end of the game does not redeem the seven inter- interceptions that you threw during the game. It's a good point. It's I'm a- literally I'm rooting against you. Like... Because the 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 the, ho- the the radio host at the end is always like, well, he had four touchdowns <laughs> and four interceptions, so we don't know how to feel today. He like, en- can we just heap, he- <laughs> heap anger upon him and just leave it at he that? He ended the year. He's I think he, the first one ever to throw thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions. I mean, what? So every time that guy dropped back, everyone was like, oh, "What's going to happen?" <laughs> I'm pretty excited that. Um, well, I'm excited about it, and I'm also angry about it. That's that, a, uh, Gruden, John Gruden, is now an NFL coach again. Why? What's the big deal? Well, because he's the, he the Bucks won the Super Bowl under John sure, Gruden. sure, and then dro- John and then drove John Gruden out of town. Drove him out of town, mm-hmm. and I mean the John Gruden story is one for the ages. You know, he gets he, he wins the Super he Bowl. He gets traded as he a coach. Gets run out of town. He gets basically ostracized from the NFL. So what does he do? What what more American type of thing can you do? He moves to some suburb, gets rents a space in a strip mall, <laughs> and opens a, a little office and calls it the former football coaches of America and creates a group called that. I didn't know he did that. He goes into this strip mall office every morning at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and studies game film. He invites other former football coaches to come and hang out in the office and they talk and they study film together and they just scheme. He becomes talk about passion. Passion. Talk about passion for the game. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He becomes such an elder, an, a Yoda of the game, that he just knows so much about every team, about every player, yeah. that he ascends to the coveted Monday night football spot where he excels he excels and he is the most personable (laughs) interesting person and passionate person you've ever seen calling football since (laughs) since madden madden yeah yeah and he slays it so hard 
and is so intelligent about the game of football that he they give him the newest best team and stadium in the league. I mean, talk about your all-time ascension from uh, from nothing stories, your all-time comeback. Yeah, story. back to the team he started with. Back, right. Yeah, right. You know, I, I don't I know. I mean, it's the <laughs> ultimate oh yeah story. But I don't know if you ever saw uh, Hard Knocks. Oh yeah, I love that. The, love Hard Knocks. They did the Hard Knocks with the Raiders with mm, him I as the that. coach. Knock on so, wood. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> Knock on wood, right? I'm with you, Jay, John. Now, it, but there was moments, there's there's moments, and any passionate person has these moments where you look at John Gruden and go, that guy has a screw loose in his, in his head. You but know? The, all the best ones do, especially right. in, a, in a violent sport. Right, right, right. So anyways, he took the team the last year. They uh, had an improved record, so we'll see how they come I out. Just, I year. love that guy. <laughs> you like his I can't get style. enough John Gruden. Yeah. I'm not good at impressions. I was going to try one, you know. Mm. No, I'm not good at it. He's a tough guy, dude. Well, you know they call him Chucky. What about that guy, Frank Caliendo? He he does a good John Green. Oh, he does a good everybody. He's good. He's a, he's the impression guy. For yeah. impressions, uh, there's nobody like um, the guy who played Garth in Wayne's World, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey is the he's ultimate good. impression master. You know who's the current reigning champion of impressions who? is? Uh, Melissa Villasenor. I don't know who that is. She's a comedian. She's on SNL. Do you still watch SNL? Oh my God, religiously. Really? Yeah. I never miss an SNL. I have the impression that SNL has not been good in it's like wildly three, frustrating. three years. Yeah. I'm, I tend to be a more critical of a conservative of type person. Yeah. And SNL is like a, liberal a wildly type liberal yeah, show, yeah. but it's it can be very hilarious and I like it. Do they still do Weekend Update? Oh, dude, the Weekend <laughs> Update is the best place to get your news. Who's doing Weekend Update now, new guy? Michael Shea and... Um, and um, Oh, that, he's dating Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. I know his name, but I know the guy you're talking about. I don't about. know why I can't think Michael of Michael something. No, Michael Shea and... Uh, oh, my God. Why can't I think of that? What was his name? I don't know. We don't care enough. Well, <laughs> anyway, uh, Melissa Villasenor does this impression of uh, John Mulaney. You know, Mulaney, John Mulaney yeah. He's a good comedian. It is. Ju- you got to look. It's just spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedians do... Colin I- Jost. <laughs> Oh, that's it. That's Colin it. Jost. Yeah, that's a good. I have such an appreciation for for stand up comedians and comedians in general, act, uh, comedic actors. Be- you know, be- it, being funny is hard, man. Stand up comedy is one of those things that you have you have such a deep appreciation for because it's one of those things that everybody, in little secret moments, thinks I should or could do this. Like, yeah. don't you know what I mean? You always you think of something funny. And you're like, man, I should like. Yeah, he's stand-up comedian, but like it takes a, a lot of a hell of a lot of work and time and incredible amount of work talent. and but and also nerve to step up in front of a group of people and uh, and just resiliency and and ability to be rejected. Ninety percent of people, I don't know, put a number on it, would go up with a they could write out a whole routine, write it out, practice in front of the mirror, ninety just fall apart, will go blank. In yep. front of a group of people who are staring at them going. Well, and you're going to like, okay. And and if you look at it as like a job, okay. Being <laughs> a stand-up comedian is a job. Yeah. You you have days at your job. Anybody has a, has days at their job that are just like a fail. Just oh, yeah. a god-awful, embarrassing, horrendous failure of a day. Mm-hmm. And when you do that as a comedian, you, you're doing it publicly in front of a room full of people and they're letting you know that you're doing it. It's not right. like you're in your office and you're just having a hard day and you can just put your head down and have an extra cup of coffee. Like You're feeling that shame. Put it, put it this way. It's one of the only art forms that gives you an instant review. Instant review. Instant you have review. no hesitation. And it's dangerous. Dang. Oh, if you say the wrong joke. You can really get yourself into trouble, man. Yeah, there was that comedian who... who made, remember, uh, his name's Ari Schaefer. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, when Kobe Bryant died, he came out on Twitter and he, he said it was a oh, joke God. and that he got buried. The worst one of all time is, uh, Dane Cook. <laughs> he ate it so hard. Do you remember what happened? I don't remember what took him out, but I remember he was the biggest comedian at the time. There, well, first of all, he's an arrogant prick. That's can, what took yeah, him out. Yeah, he can be a prick, yeah. But... What happened was there was a, a movie theater shooting uh, in a bat, the Batman movie came. Oh, out. the Colorado one. 
and uh, he came out and he made a joke that like, well, uh, something about the movie being so bad that he he understands why somebody got shot or he would have shot somebody or something like that. Like it was something about like there was a shooting in the movie theater and he made a joke about the movie being so bad that that's why the shooting happened. He made light of a shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, not cool. Not, not cool. That's a really scary thing that that has a sure, real problem no, that, that we have. There's not too much funny to find right. in that. Yeah. But it, it's in the nature of, a comedian to try and make fun of everything. Well, look, there's, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Comedians, certain comedians have almost become political activists in that way. A free, right. free, it's almost, free it's, speech. They guy. just say every, everything that they can. Well, they're saying say. we're defending free speech and we're making fun of everybody. But it's just a taste. It's a matter of taste. Yeah. You know, everything's, everything's. That's why you got to appreciate a guy like Jerry Seinfeld who works I was just going to say that. Wait, wait, me, me and my mom watched, uh, his new there's a stand-up so i don't know if it's new but it's it's on netflix okay oh my gosh it's really oh yeah he rips really it you ever watch his show that uh comedians and yeah cars yeah it's good coffee? too that's good fantastic too. but his stand-up special i'm talking he kills it for an hour he's a pro I mean, a pro he's you know, the best he's like yeah. bob hope right he's a he's an institution at this point yeah right i mean he it jerry seinfeld uh the bit about when they make you wear a helmet when you go skydiving <laughs> like that was the first thing like, what's I, I gonna do yeah like what what really <laughs> and th- those are the best jokes when you can think about it and it's like yes it's silly and it's like also you know obviously we know that you wear a helmet because if you hit your head on the way out of the plane or whatever it make obviously there's a reason but it's just funny because you're jumping out of an airplane and you think this helmet is going to do something to protect you like, mm-hmm. if but your parachute doesn't th- come that's out. the that's the thing about stand-up though is like of course the joke has to be good but it's like so much about the delivery right and it also has to be enough stupid like it's kind of yeah, silly kind of stupid it's it's making people laugh it's supposed to be like silly but there's serious comedians too i don't know if you know like eddie izzard and i don't know there, there's all of that and you know and i'll tell you like george carlin yeah he's, you're, a seri- you're a he's kind of a serious comedian but you're also like the direct descendant of socrates you're criticizing you're doing yeah. it you're making jokes but you're also mainly philosophizing and and yeah you're 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 a human commentator right you're, you're literally exactly you're 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 pointing out the odd things in the world who that, i i generate like even like bill hicks is like that for me you know bill hicks no i don't know oh, dude you love bill hicks dude awesome he's 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 is that that where's your sign guy <laughs> yeah where's your sign <laughs> You know you're a redneck if you have cars in Jeff your Fox, front no, yard. No, that's not Jeff Foxworthy. Really. Bill Engvall. Bill Engvall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, those guys are funny too. No, they're pretty like that Larry the Cable guy with the with the uh, flannel shirt. With I'll the... laugh at a couple jokes. You know, I'll give him a, give him a run. But no, for the people out there, there's a lot of people who know. But you would really like him. Bill Hicks is a real interesting cat. Mm. He's dead now, but he's you know. Oh bummer. You know who else is dead? Who is hilarious? Uh, uh, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> yeah. He had his, such a distinct style. You yeah, know? and it was just like it never got old. It kind of the one liners, the right, one liners, right, one boom, after boom, another, boom, after boom, another. Boom. It's a skill, man. That's a skill for sure. But uh, you know, I guess like this goes back to our hobby talk. It's like I'm almost convinced there's people who naturally born to do certain things, but it's, everything is all about practice. Oh yeah, and repetition. And repetition. Keeping at something. So your average comedian who makes it to a Netflix special has done. A million and that's shows. A, that's a hard gig because you gotta. It's like that show uh, where the guy crashes on people's couches on HBO. Oh, crashing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. You, you know, you're just talking about the, making it as a comedian, what you have to do, and you have to spend five nights, six nights, open mics, a, a week in a city at open mics and trying to make it make work a name and working for it, it out. Make and a it's name. It's hard work, oh, and yeah. it's in the middle of the night, and it's in smoky. You know, oftentimes gnarly little bars. And, With five or six people there. Whatever. And you fail and you just feel like there's no point. And think about it. Sometimes you don't want to be funny. Sometimes you're sitting there. But these guys are, that's what it takes a special guy to do it. You know, and you really got to enjoy, like, the feeling of making someone laugh. That's got to get you get you high, you know? Well, you know what, what helps is that, I mean, as far as a community of people, when you're a comedian, that's a great group of people to be friends with. 
Oh, and comedians are some of the most adored people as friends. Like right. the guy who's funny. You and know? you get away with nothing. <laughs> but imagine, like you said, being a comedian, just like everything else is like, they're so worried to say the wrong thing. You know, it's got to be a careful thing. Yeah. I but, wish there was a little bit less of that. I really do. Yeah. Well, I think we're actually in a, in a, there's more people. I think it's as, as bad as it's ever been and getting worse. <laughs> but we appreciate the people who go out on a limb more than ever. Well, we do. Uh, mostly. Mostly. You know what? I mean, we could, I think we could use a few more laughs in general. God. No true words have been spoken, my friend. You know who's a funny cat? Is that Patton Oswald? He's a funny guy. He's yeah. a funny guy. Or how about Ricky Gervais? He's a funny guy. I can't. You don't like Ricky Gervais? I can't, pick, can't picture him. Ricky Gervais does, uh, he's a stand-up guy. He does like the Oscars all the time. Oh, I think I know you're talking he's about. He's the British guy. He's, he's, he's dry and really like mean. <laughs> he's like, he's really. He's not the, he's not, you're think, I'm thinking of John Oliver. Yeah, no, he's the news guy. He's this goofy news guy. Right. No, British always have their own uh, type of type of everything. Comedy, music. I'm a, I'm a Conan O'Brien guy. Conan O'Brien. Yeah, is he's been around. He has a really good podcast too. Conan O'Brien. Oh, I didn't know he did a podcast. He does a great podcast. Cool, cool. No, Conan has been around forever. I'm not so crazy about the other ones actually. Jimmy yeah, Fallon. Like, you know, they get too polit. They're just constantly too, too political. political and. I guess Jimmy Fallon has some funny stuff, but he's a little too like goofy. Like I, I, this is—it's been funny watching him do it from home. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't oh, watch man. these it's late. Been night. two months of he's doing it from his house, and he's in New York. Do they so. still have the same structure of like a monologue a guest, um, basically, and musical guest, basically? Yeah, that's probably a good way to catch new bands and stuff. Yeah, I saw some really good stuff uh, from Dave Matthews. On these shows, yeah, just from being home and playing acoustic guitar by himself at home, I like Dave Matthews. He's a skill. He's a skilled. And now with that violin player gone, they got this new uh, piano player, Buddy Strong. Oh yeah. Oh man, that they're on fire. Look, you cannot deny that he makes beautiful sounding music. You know, he does. It's not for everybody, but it's not I, for everybody. I like it quite a lot. He's he's earned the right, dude. He's in he's in the pantheon of musicians. Oh, yeah. He's of like uh, he's like. Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Even though Bruce is still like making music. <laughs> you know, Bruce Springsteen though is like a fairly like you got to kind of be from New Jersey, New York, like the Northeast Philly like area to like really get Bruce Springsteen. It's to me I agree with you 100%. I I I remember trying to get it. I'm just like I cannot. I don't find one redeeming quality about the whole thing. It's just a, it's a represent Representative I don't of think, a way of life that not everybody lives. I don't think his voice is very good. I'm I don't, not a huge fan myself. I don't think his voice is very good. I don't think his music is in, like in, in terms of like the individual musicianship in his band is that great. Yeah, I don't. And and Dave Matthews kind of shares like they both have the horns. They both have the sort of few songs that they're very much known for. Like they're they're very similar in a lot of ways. That is true. But Dave Matthews it kind of is like he lives in this more dark shady do you think trippy so? sort of place yeah trippy for sure i thought he's he, dave is a little softer he's got this like a softer edge softer and kind of weird weird yeah he's weird yeah for sure he, you know like bruce springsteen is just like american anthems start to finish like then then let's get on the subway and go home like dave matthews is more like come with me on this uh meander with me on a walk through the woods and let me blow your mind yeah yeah and there, yeah, i can't say though it's like uh that's one thing we should we should put like we were me and John were talking about um, bands that uh, are Frank Zappa. I was thinking to myself, you got to try things that make you feel uncomfortable. Like I remember listening to Frank Zappa in the past, and I'm like, this music is literally making me feel uncom- <laughs> like uncomfortable. This is not pleasant. So, but I think you need to put yourself through that stuff sometimes. There's a to couple be like, of decent tunes. It was it, it. I don't know if it was the lyrics or whatever it was. It just I felt like unpleasant listening to. Well, it. I mean the ver- the nature of I mean the very the band itself is Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. The mothership of the Mothers of Invention. Oh, the Mothers is the name of, of the band. Yeah, yeah. But when people in the seventies would would talk about it, it would be like Frank Zappa and the Mothers, which it kind of sounds like and kind of means like the mother, like effers. Oh, <laughs> like Frank Zappa and the Mothers. Yeah. But it's the mothers of invention. Like their whole thing was making 
people uncomfortable, but not the people that listen to them. Like their whole thing was making the establishment uncomfortable. Yeah. Look, hey, has it, he he got famous and made a place for himself, you know? It is what it is. Um, we're not all going to like different, but I'm saying that's why I'm just like most people where I find my groove with what I like. Obviously, the Grateful Dead, obviously, jam band music, obviously, classic rock, obviously, all that stuff. And I can sit in that groove for a good long while. But if I don't put myself into other modes, I'll never find new stuff that I like. What's hard for me is to, is to revisit stuff that I thought was just the absolute bee's knees when I was like a you know teenager or young man. And I listen to it now, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, how did you... Like, like the Dookie album, the Green Day Dookie <laughs> album, it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. But I listened to that album. I bought it three times. I listened to it so much. Yeah, and yeah. wore out three CDs <laughs> of listening to that. And now it's like, how could you possibly listen to that album more than once and not go crazy? Because it just is, you're a, you're a pubescent kid and you have you're so just much angry energy, so and much you energy. have a skateboard and, that, and it, it works for you. You can't go back to that no matter how much you want to. That's true. That's true. I, I think back to those that age period and it's like music was so much more emotional back then. But it probably still is. It's just not to us. But now we've been listening for music to, to music for so long that we've almost intellectualized music. Because we're listening to it now, we're now we're listening. We don't let it touch our lizard brains, yeah. Like we used to, like we it, and we it, think about the lyrics and we think about the but, chord changes. But, but it's because we, it's because we've been listening to a lot of the same stuff over and over. Now we have time to so the same deal. I've been trying to go like I said, <laughs> funny a funny moment that I sent John. I was sitting at home and I was looking through the Billboard charts. Hmm. And I sent him the top 10 and I was like, don't get me started. <laughs> I was like, nothing will make me bang my head against a wall and make me feel like an old man than the top don't 10 of the billboard charts. And but I see, like I said, I, I see, don't even know how the billboard charts is even relevant. Anymore. And look, look, we had some crazy rappers and stuff. Like when we were in high school, like even Eminem was crazy at the time with what he was doing. His Dude, wait, let me, let me say something. a say little say, girl with a lollipop <laughs> compared to some of these guys. Wait, let me say like. You know, he he did say some crazy stuff. You know, putting his wife. Well, he has Doctor D or Doctor no, Dre no, tied no, up in his basement. Right, all that weird stuff, and he had weird music videos. But when you look at a guy like this, six nine, and he's got tattoos all over his face, he's got rainbow colored teeth, he's got rainbow hair, and then you listen to his music, and you're like, it's all about murder and drugs and and all these horrible things. You're like, you're standing there going, we've lost it. And then, We've and then lost you turn it. on the news, and uh, there's mass looting and riots. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard like like Tipper Gore's whole thing with like putting the explicit lyrics thing on CDs, and everybody was all pissed off about it. Like it's too late now. You know, maybe there's something to be said for the fact that our video games are um, too violent. Feature running over uh, little old ladies in the street, like sure. Grand, Grand Theft Auto is basically murdering people on the street we have a you violent know, the music is about murdering and yep. you know, like everything that these kids are taking is violent in. And what drugs. do you think they're gonna do right 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 but that now the question is is it too late you know it's like it's it's already out there yeah i mean but what do you even do about can it you can you can you, can you suppress art no you can't do it i think mm -hmm. i think though uh personally these video games like grand theft auto like it's too we're too lax about letting kids play sure. these games like i think for grand theft auto for what that video game is it was outrageously you violent. really should like it, it you should you should there should be a penalty like in the same way that a parent would get in in deep trouble if they bought their kids liquor <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah it's a, it's a don't play unless you're 18 on the box but it's no big deal for kids the kids get them for christmas all the time sure, sure. parents buy them from it's no problem but i i think maybe a, like you should penalize a parent for giving their kid Grand Theft Auto. I mean, uh, you maybe, know, maybe not, but possibly. Look, Grand Theft Auto is a good example because, oh my God, what an extreme. No, I mean, I don't know if, you, if anyone who's ever played that game knows it's 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 violent. It it's normalizes horrendous acts. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you know. There's there's a there's a dual responsibility. There is the responsibility of parents raising their kids, knowing everything that they're involved with as much as they can, you know. And then there's also the responsibility of the companies that are making this stuff too. I but you can't 
you can't say to a company that you can't make a, a fake video game that does sure these, i mean for an it's like um you can't tell an but adult you, what to put in their body but, but you can come down on the company for marketing that to young kids yeah absolutely and saying young kids buy this young you, kids you, you got to protect kids when they're growing up they're delicate so as you as a father now i mean that's literally like we talked about i mean the our whole society should be based around what is good for the kids yeah i would agree with that you know what i'm saying sure we need and to, all kids. We need to stop worrying about ourselves so much. All kids. Kids. Particularly uh, kids in bad neighborhoods. Because we're all going to get older. We're all going to go mm -hmm. away, and then the kids take over, man. Kids are the most important thing. So education, all that good stuff. So God bless the kids, man. God bless them God, kids. God bless the kids. Well. That's a good note to end on. Let's wrap this up. Episode, uh, episode three in the books, buddy. I hope uh, we're going we're gonna to keep keep. Keep keeping on. It's been uh, fun. We're going to keep keeping on. Yeah, yeah. So episode four coming thanks, soon. Thanks everyone out in podcast land for listening to us. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Aging Millennials Podcast.